Dan Bardell and welcome to 1874, the podcast that will bring you the definitive word on Aston Villa Football Club every single week. I'm joined by Greg Evans, as always. It's a very up and down podcast this, isn't it, Greg? Because last week, you know, it was quite, quite downbeat, quite depressing. Man City, we've been pumped 6-1 and then this week we get a last minute winner. You're right, actually. It feels really good at the moment. It feels good to be writing and talking and singing, I suppose, as, as some fans will say about Villa at the moment. It all seems to be just falling into place nicely at the moment. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be back to being miserable next week. Plenty to discuss, as always. I'm sure we'll be miserable next week, Greg, when, when Villa have lost, as, as seems to be the way with the podcast at the moment. But this week, we'll cover the following. The relief. Villa leave it late against Watford. Have that Troy Deeney. A brief look back at the 1-1 at Brighton. Finally, a striker. Samata's on board. Greg will give us the lowdown. We've got the transfer talk as well. Come on, Greg, you've got to give me something. And as always, we'll end with the Villa vault. So, Greg, Watford, comfortably our biggest result of the season, I think. Brilliant result, wasn't it? Brilliant. There's no better way to win a football game than, the, yeah. than it with the last kick of the game. It's brilliant. And... Um, Villa Park at its best, you know. So many, so many fans and players say how much they love playing under the lights and and going to Villa Park, when, you know, at night games. But to to hear and be a part of the atmosphere um, after that Watford game was brilliant. And uh, you know, one certain Troy Deeney wasn't happy at the end, was he? I can't believe he scored again. I mean, that's I mean, I can because he literally only has to set foot on a pitch against Villa and he's already scored basically. Yeah, it's just un- unbelievable. So I mean, the the game was it was a really weird game. I thought the first half because. Villa dominated possession, but couldn't muster up a chance. Then Watford went up the other end, three passes, and Deeney had scored and was giving it loads to the old end again. And I just thought, oh, here, here we go. You know, the, the, the script's written again. Yeah. Um, you know, in the press box, all the journalists were asking, how many goals has he scored against Villa now? And, you know, the, the, the figures were six six goals in three and a half games up at that point. <laughs> and, uh, of um, all the people as well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, he, he just loves scoring against Villa. And, um, but... The fun can't always last, and as it showed, um, you know Villa got back in it and, and won the game, and all the fans were singing at the end. Uh, Troy Deeney, what's the score? He's a bit guilty of going a little bit early, hasn't he? The, the way he's given it the big one to, to the whole ten, but ultimately he's ended up on the losing side and ended up looking a, li- a little bit stupid. Sometimes you've got, you've got to be careful with those kind of things. <laughs> I actually think he should have been booked as well for in, inciting the crowd, but that's a that, that's a different thing. You've alluded to it a little bit that. Villa had a lot, I thought Villa, Villa had a lot of the ball in that first half, but never really going anywhere. A little bit too safe in possession, in my opinion. I don't know whether you agree with that. A bit slow. Yeah, I agree. Just, um, the, the lads who are sitting next to we, we we're all of the same opinion, really. Just that Villa needed to do a little bit more. I think the fact that they didn't have a recognised centre forward on the pitch didn't help at the time. Uh, you know, Anwar Al Ghazi, who had been tasked with playing in that role, tries hard. He works hard, but he's just better out wide, isn't he? He's not. He's yeah. not a centre forward. Um, and I think that was that was probably. Uh, one of the reasons why they didn't create too many chances. Um, Dean Smith said the same after the game. He just wanted his side to be a bit more adventurous. Um, and I think they got that in the end. They got it towards the last stages of the second half. But Villa can't keep falling behind to kickstart them into life because no. against the better teams, they will not be able to recover. Do you think that's one of the main reasons that Villa haven't picked up one of those big results against the bigger sides? I mean, you look at Burnley, their, their last two games, you, you wouldn't have said... 
they'll they'll win either of them. But yeah, they've they've come away with two wins. Villa haven't proved capable of getting that big result so far this season. Do you think it does feel like we? I haven't got the stats in front of me, but it does feel like we we fall behind an awful lot, and it does always give us an uphill battle, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we I think we were saying this a couple of weeks ago. Villa still haven't had uh, a result. That was unexpected. I, I mean, suppose. to be honest, Tuesday in the end <laughs> yeah. was unexpected, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, I suppose. But I mean, before the game, you know, you were, you're looking at that game against Watford, the teams around you in the table. You're looking at that game as potentially one of the ones that you should, or at least give everything to win. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is, Villa haven't got a result against any of the top six. No. Um, you know, they, they drew at Man United, but. Is that as hard as it a place of it as it used to be to go? It's not really many. Didn't look teams it last have, night. <laughs> many teams have taken advantage of Manchester United this season, but I suppose the only surprise result Villa have Villa have achieved this season is the one-one draw at Leicester in the cup semi-final. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably fair. And I mean, look, if they go and do the business next week and get to the final, then what better one to have got it in? So you know, I just think that. At the start of the season, Villa's problem were was that they were too ambitious. They were leaving themselves too open. Um, and uh, I think it was around about November time, wasn't it, where they had dropped more points than any other team from winning positions. Yeah. So the problem previously was that they were taking the lead and not being able to hold on to it. Now, they seem to be falling behind, but they're actually picking results up from it. So it's... Yeah, we you need know, to find the happy medium, yeah. don't we? In terms, in terms of being being safe, which I think we were a little bit too safe in the first half. But then, like you talk about, you know, the games we've been too open and we've been picked off. We need to find somewhere in the middle. And I guess it's difficult with injuries, injuries as well, isn't it? I mean, yeah. they've killed us. The, the fitness of certain players has killed us. Yeah, Villa, look, we were, we were talking this before, weren't we? We were talking about Manchester United's um, unfortunate sort of injuries. Um, this season, you know, Paul Pogba and Marcus Rashford. But if you look at look at Aston Villa as well, they've lost their number one goalkeeper, yeah. probably their most influential midfielder. McGinn's, yeah. McGinn's a massive miss. And the record signing. So, you know, that they've had really, real bad luck with their injuries. Um, and the fact that they've managed to pick up 25 points as a newly promoted team and are currently out of the relegation zone is a bonus at this point. So... It's something to build on. Dean Smith said something interesting in the post-match press conference after the Watford game. He said that all of his teams performed better in the second yeah, half yeah, of the season. Yeah, Brentford so, always seemed to do better did, towards the end yeah. of the season and then get close to being in the playoffs, but they, yeah. they were always a, a bit too far adrift. But yeah, I think I think that's valid what Dean Smith yeah, said so, there. I mean, so you know, let, let's hope that's the case with Villa this season. It certainly was last year because they went on that incredible um, unbeaten record, uh, unbeaten run. So yeah. Let's hope it's the same this year. But the issue I think with Villa is, I personally still don't think Dean Smith knows his best team. No, well, that's actually someone's um, Dino seventy three has asked, asked this about the, the midfield. Is is part of the problem with the way Villa are in possession a little bit careless at the moment? The fact that the midfield is different every game. We do seem to have a different central midfield com- combination every single time at the moment. Yeah, massively. It's a, it's, a, it's an issue. You know. The, the the best teams don't change the team too often. You know, you need to know what your best, what your best eleven is. Um, okay, a couple of changes and tweaks here and there. There's nothing wrong with that. Freshening it up every now and then. But Villa have had eleven different defensive combinations, eleven different back five combinations in 24 games. I don't know the stats for midfield, but it must be quite similar as well. You know, they've, yeah. they've flicked between Lansbury, Huran, Drinkwater, um, Nakamba, Louise, McGinn, Grealish. They've, they've, they've tried almost every player in every position. And it's 
you know, we're at the stage of the season now where it's about time that they get it right and find out who the best play, who the best partnership is, whether it's a diamond that they want to play, whether it's three in the middle, whether it's two in the middle. You know, yeah. we're twenty four games in. They sh- Dean Smith should know that by now. Um, Okay, it's not too negative because, as I just said previously, they've got 25 points and they're at the relegation zone. But if they want to kick on this season and they want to really establish themselves in the Premier League, surely they need to know the best team by now. Yeah, I think, again, you've made a few valid points so far. I think, yeah, that, that's correct. To not know your best team at this point is strange because we're over halfway through the season. I suppose, obviously, getting a few people in in January as well might shape that and then he might settle on a on a more um, cohesive team once he's done all the January business. That's the only defence I can think of for it at the moment. Yeah, I think so. And at the same time, I suppose some of the signings are inexperienced, young, yeah. not not used to the Premier League. Um, I, I don't know if you wanted to touch on Douglas Louise at some point today. Yeah, but he's, he's, he's coming up because he's someone I've criticised in the past. <laughs> but to be fair, last two games, since I did a negative tweet about him, he's, abs- <laughs> he's decided to absolutely fly and make me look stupid. Yeah, I have to admit, I'm really enjoying watching him, to be honest. Yeah. I think he's... I think he he's um, starting to silence some of the critics. Silence me. Yeah, he silenced me as well because I've I've said bad things about him. I mean, my my, my criticism of him previously was that he gave the ball away in in in, in uh, dangerous areas. But the more I've watched him, the more I'm starting to realise that he's actually very brave on the ball. He never hides, does he? No, no. I've, I've, that was one of my defences <coughs> of him. In fact, when I was criticising him, I was saying in his defence, he always shows for the ball. He always wants it. He never hides, which is a, a great trait. But I think what what you've saying and alluding to there is correct in that he is being brave on the ball. He is trying to make things happen. And when you do try and make things happen, you might take an extra touch and get dispossessed. Yeah. But in general, the team isn't making enough happen at times, so he deserves credit for that, for, for, for trying to pick that pass and maybe risking giving the ball away and getting his passing percentages down by playing the more adventurous passer. I mean, are you surprised he didn't start? Uh, a little bit, yeah, but at the same time, I thought that he, Dean Smith's obviously signed Drinkwater. He wants to, you know, he wants to see him develop into the play that he believes he is they're playing him into fitness aren't they, they people, are, are, criti- just, people are criticising yeah. why, does he, why does he keep starting him he's off the pace but the only way he's going to get up to speed is by starting games exactly and and to be fair now he's had two two games two full ga- uh, sorry three games uh, the last one he was withdrawn after 55 minutes but he's probably the, when we next see him in action probably at Bournemouth now he's going to be he's going to be back he's going to he's going to be up to match fitness I think and yeah. and I think now we can start judging Danny Drinkwater from the next game uh, you know the one at Bournemouth he won't play against Leicester um, from from the game against the game against Bournemouth let's see what he's got then um, what do you think he'll do with that midfield against Bournemouth I know we're pushing ahead here but I think if he wants to play Drinkwater, I think Nakamba had one of his better games on on Tuesday, one of the best games I've I've seen him have. He wants to put probably want to put Louise in there as well. He's going to probably have to leave one out. It's difficult to know what he'll do because I don't think away from home Nakamba should miss out because he's the more defensive player. I think you need a ball winner in an away game like that. And he did some good recoveries on Tuesday as well, Nakamba. But you've got to play Drinkwater to get him into fitness. So that really leaves Louise on the bench again, possibly. But he's making an impact when he comes on. Yeah, it's a difficult one. I suppose they've got the the cup game first, haven't they? Which um, yeah, which, which Louise will play that. Which might determine uh, you know what he does against Bournemouth. 
you've always got kind of Hurahan who's in the um, in the setup as well, just not quite getting a look in at the moment. I, think I don't think just, the formation helps him, the new formation. He's dropped down a little bit in the pecking order, hasn't he, at the moment. He hasn't really... Um, I mean, he hasn't had much time to do anything, to be fair to him, but he hasn't really influenced the way that probably he would have liked in the last few weeks. And it just seems that, uh, obviously, a lot of the focus on drink water, he seems to be ahead of him now in Dean Smith's thoughts. Yeah. Um, the as you mentioned, had a very good game last week, and Louise is starting to make an impact now. So... Um, difficult for the Irishman at the moment but good for Villa that they've got plenty of options and still led to believe that they're trying to get another one in you know, they, they are looking at central midfield oh, options really? um, whether they do or not you know is not one of their priorities but if something could becomes available that they like the look of they will go for it yeah because the thing is as well you need a squad so players aren't going to be in form all the time you're going to get injuries you're going to get suspension so someone like Connor who's not in at the moment at some point, he he will be needed, and he'll get back in. And you know, he's coming from absences out of the side before and got goals and assists. So, even though you're not in the team at the moment, it's important to have these options. And we've kind of not had these options all the way through the season at times. And now with the drink water coming in, there's a bit more competition in the midfield. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's good, isn't it? That if the Villa players they can't really moan because almost every one of those players have, has had game time this season. Yeah. Um, Keenan Davies hopefully will be back soon. I think it's frustrating for him because he's missed out on his opportunity. I think now this would have been the time that yeah, he would have got some playing, games, and you know those injuries are just killing him in a way. Um, but yeah, there's there's plenty of options for Villa and plenty to turn to. I mean, he's still got five centre halves as well, you know. So yeah. if they're playing this three at the back, which seems to be working well, um, even if one gets injured or suspended or loss of form, um, there's others that are equally capable that can come in. Yeah. Villa had a few narrow escapes in the game just before we actually scored with with Louise. Rainer made an unbelievable triple save and just just showed his worth, didn't he? Yeah, it looks a very solid signing. Uh, really, really pleased to see him back in the Premier League, and I presume he'll be happy as well because he looks happy. He does, doesn't I mean, looks like he's never been away. Yeah. When, when I when I'm when I'm looking, I still still find it strange seeing Pepe Reina as a Villa player. It still seems it's funny, isn't it? He, he just, almost doesn't, it, look, doesn't right. look right, yeah. does he? But for a player who's only played 10 games for AC Milan in the last couple of seasons, he's fitted in seamlessly, uh, very confident on the ball, likes to move it out quickly, doesn't he? You know, he's always looking for the midfield. His distribution well. was always good at Liverpool, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, but I mean, he certainly hasn't lost that in his, ah. in his, older, in his older years. Um, and from the people I speak to at Villa, he's a very, you know, he's a very vocal voice in the dressing room, um, a leading force, and looks like a really solid signing, to be fair. I, I, I have to admit, I sort of... I was a bit dubious. Yeah, I, I was the same. I thought, has has his days in, as a Premier League player passed? But he showed already that they haven't. Well, yeah, that tri- that trip, tri- I can't even talk. That treble save w- w- was was excellent. I mean, that kept Villa alive. Without that, Villa go on and lose that game, and we find yeah. ourselves in the in in the bottom <clears> three still. Also, a little bit of an escape with uh with Tyro Mings after after we scored. Some would argue that he should have been sent off for the first challenge. My personal opinion is that's a yellow card. He got booked. What did you make of the handball? He looked he looked very guilty. He looked yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? He, he he looked guilty, but he also looked as if he also looked at the ref as in, as if to say, you know, what you're on about that was an accident. So good acting, do you think? Yeah, possibly, but at, this, at the same time, if if he knew he was definitely in the wrong, okay, he, he knows it would have hit his arm. He knows he's hit his arm, but um, if he if he knows he was purposely doing that. 
I think he would have avoided looking at the referee. I don't know, but <laughs> Nigel, Nigel Pearson wasn't happy in there in, in, after the game anyway. He said that he said that his players reacted quite badly to it and they were frustrated. Um, I think if it was on the other shoe, shoes on the other, um, you know, the other way around, then yeah. We'd have been sat, and you know, Villa go on to lose the game. We'd oh. have been saying, "Well, that defender should have been sent off." I'd have been so. sat here doing a whole podcast on it, <laughs> the, the the refereeing injustices that we've had this season. If that if that continued, I'd I'd, I'd have been here all day. So, a little bit lucky to, yeah. to sum it up. A little bit lucky, but look, you know, you got to ride the look when you get the luck. Well, we do some. It. I think we've definitely been yeah, doing some over definitely. the course of the season, and it's not luck, but we also did did something at the end that we don't normally do Villa don't score many late goals I know we scored one against Brighton in another key game that could turn out to be a six-pointer come the end of the season we left it late last kick of the game it ended up being Tyrone Mings's goal but just just talk us through it <laughs> unbelievable really when I first saw the the, the goal go in I thought oh, brilliant for Konza you know I just yeah. thought that's his goal but then obviously the replay showed that it took a deflection off off Mings He'll take it, he'll take the goal. But I think just collectively as a team, they're just delighted to get the result, you know, to get the win. Um, the wild celebrations on the bench, weren't there? All the substitutes oh, yeah. jumping up and then... Yeah, James it. Chester went running off down the tunnel, I think, that, after he scored. <laughs> That's it, yeah. And obviously Dean Smith and, and John Terry hugging each other. I've never seen... I haven't seen Smith that elated for, for so long. And then obviously the, the videos, the clips of... Some of the former players, Alan Hutton and Gabriel yeah. Bonlahor in the stands celebrating. You could just see how much that meant to, it's to a massive the whole win. of Villa Park. It was a huge win. I mean, because they lose that. And Watford are still above them and Villa are in the relegation zone. Yeah. Now, rele- Watford are back in the relegation zone. And Villa, it just looks like so much healthier, doesn't it? Um, but it just changes on a weekly basis. We, yeah. were talk- we were talking earlier before we came in. You get Villa get a result. It feels like everyone else goes and wins as well. So you, you, you don't make up the ground. Obviously, Watford haven't won, but Newcastle, Nicker Point, like Burnley go and win at Old Trafford. They're like You want to try and pull teams like Burnley back back mm. into it with you. It's so congested down there. So congested, yeah. Um, the, the, a couple of the lads who I was sitting next to at the game, they were saying, oh, Bournemouth are winning. Um, and and but then the, the lad sitting further down was like, no, no, we we want Bournemouth to win because that keeps Brighton in it. <laughs> and you just yeah, think there's so it? many permutations already. But I think the good thing is that there's eight or nine teams at the moment that could still get relegated, that could still finish in that bottom three. So Villa are one of those, of course. They're still fighting amongst them. Um, they've got seven wins on the board now, which is yeah. a really good start, I think. 15 more points to go, although actually 40 points might not be enough the way this season's going so far. It's a crazy Premier League. I mean, you look at Southampton, they were down in the doldrums before they played us in Christmas. Now I think they're not that far away from fifth, sixth and possibly yeah. getting European football. The, the league's absolutely crazy. Just quickly back to the back to the goal, because I, I think Villa fans will be happy to hear us talking about it all podcast. But you know what I liked about it? And it comes back to Rainer again. Usually we'd have just tapped that short. But Rainer was like, no, bossing around, get the, yeah. get everyone in the box and just punted it forward. And we got a goal from it and we don't get many goals from, from dead balls, really. We haven't scored many all season. No, no, there, there, have, there hasn't been, to be honest. And and as you say, the Villa haven't got many last-minute goals in, in, in recent years, uh, especially in the Premier League anyway. I think it's the first time since 1995 that they've scored two stoppage time goals in a season that have won that's them, incredible that have, that have won them games so that's I mean, incredible it, it, it is incredible yeah and it just shows really because you know you look at other teams across the division and they're notorious for scoring like minute like like goals aren't they i mean um, we've been the victim of, of, of <laughs> yeah so yeah 
excellent stuff. And again, I think that comes back to that, that last minute, that, that Ryaner mentality, which I, I really think he gets some form of assist f- for that goal. Although there's all kinds of assists and different goal scorers and stuff going on for that goal. It was a, it was a really, really weird goal. Just took another quick one on that guy. I thought Matt Target had his best game for a long time. Yeah, um, yeah, he, he looks like he has um, reacted positively to some criticism, maybe from from the coaching staff. Dean Smith said in a press conference uh, at the start of December, it was just before the Southampton game. Actually, yeah. remember, remember asking him about whether Matt Target was more fired up for the game because it was against his old team, and he said, and he surprisingly actually he said. There's a potential England left back there. Let's let's see what he's capable of. Let's see what he's made of because he hasn't quite hit the heights. Um, but he's 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 taken that on board. I think in the last couple of games he has played well. He seems to be a bit. He seems to be more willing to put a challenge in now, doesn't he? A bit Formation more physical. change may be helping him as well. Playing as rather than auxiliary yeah. fullback, he's now a proper wing back in a, with a back three behind him. Do you think that helps? Yeah, I think that I think it's I think it suits him perfectly, doesn't it? I think that's his type of role. He likes to get forward. Um, uh, just think that. He got he got forward a lot more often than Gilbert, didn't he, in the last game? Yeah, and he had I think a really that good game. if Gilbert had just got forward a bit more often, some of those crosses that Target put him into the back post and into the box, Gilbert might have got on the end of them, and you know the game might be wrapped up earlier. But I think that's what Smith's looking for now. He's looking for both fullbacks to really bomb on yeah. and uh, and cause problems and become attackers. I mean, I think to be fair to Gilbert, I think he lost a tooth during that game, so he's probably looking for his for his tooth at some point in there. We have had another game as well since we last did a podcast. We'll just touch on it on it briefly because it's not obviously the most recent game the, the Brighton point again a big point really mm, yeah I think that every game that Villa play away from home now against the teams that are around them the aim first and foremost is not to lose yeah because they just well, don't want to they just don't want to allow another team a win because it's it's so crucial and precious at this time of the season so if they can prevent other teams from from winning and also continue to pick up a few more points of their own then I think that's good um yeah, did okay against Brighton. I th- think they're struggling a bit. Brighton now. Uh, Been found I'd out. Probably a bit. say that you know if I had to pick three three to go down now, I'd say that they might be one of them. To be honest, I really, they are struggling. I just can't pick it. I think it's so tight down there. Obviously, Norwich are in in massive trouble. But you look at Bournemouth, and I can't see them going down. I'd be surprised to see West Ham go down, Watford, but someone's got to go down. Mm. Well, three of them have. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Massive from Grealish again, though, wasn't it, against Brian when, when we've needed him most this season. He stood up to be counted, and he, his productivity now is, is next level. Yeah, brilliant. He's in he's in the form of his life, you know, that that, that is fair to say now because it's accurate. He's uh, almost on double figures for the season. Um, Unheard of, even in the Championship, that was. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's scored more goals already after 23, Three games in the Premier League than he has managed in any other pre any, any other previous season. Uh, I think there was a stat doing the rounds about first Englishman to contribute towards fifteen, 15 goals yeah. was it since, since, Lampard. since Lampard in two thousand and eight two thousand and nine. Or so you know. Again, another another show of how well he's doing. Um, I wrote a piece earlier in the week about him, just saying how Gareth Southgate um, has been been checking him out extensively now. You know. The assumption is that if Gareth Southgate isn't at a Villa game, then he's not watching Jack, Jack Grealish. But that simply isn't the case. There's not always someone there. You'll know how it works better than me. There's not always yeah, some they, they, scouts they always or they always have there. they always have um, you know either him or Steve Holland will will be checking out various players. But there's a there's a big emphasis now on video scouting you know, as we know, um, and 
Southgate's been checking him out extensively, watching clips back to see how and where he would fit into the England setup. That's just something that goes on at St George's Park now. Okay. Um, you know, there's there's a big there's a big system there that's uh, that's in place. So you know, it's all about Jack Grealish, and just because he's not at the Villa games doesn't mean he's not thinking about him. He's also he's also been in touch with Grealish, assuring him that he's f- firmly in his um, in his thinking. So I think, look, I think. You know, we both know he's going to be in the next squad if he's fit, don't we? You know, we, we know he's good enough now. We know that Gareth Southgate's been watching him, and I think the last squad he would have been called up if there were any injuries. So, okay, he's that. He's that. He's that guy that's going to be the next call up. We know that surely. It just worries me. There's still a while to go for that call up. I just feel like there's <laughs> something that like against him that is just not going to happen this season for some reason. But hopefully, I'm wrong. Villa have been busy in the transfer market as, as well, Greg. We've we've made a signing. Finally, up front, Samagol. Samat has made his way in from Genk. 42-79 and 79 for Genk. Impressive numbers. How do you think he's going to fit in? I think he'll fit in well. I'm surprised it's taken you that long to ask me about him because every other week you're asking me where's the striker uh, coming in. After <laughs> We've been going Greg, for about 25 there's, minutes, there's, haven't we? <laughs> there's, a, there's a running order here, Greg. I can't, can't just skip ahead. <laughs> no, he looks like... To me, he looks like... I don't want to go too far, but he he does look like the real deal. He looks like a goal scorer who he's going to come in and, and, and settle in straight away. Having spoken to people at Genk, spoken to people who knew him previously when he was playing in Congo in Tanzania, um, they all speak very highly of him. Um, caught up with Aaron Tishbowler, who plays in Belgium and obviously played against him recently. Yeah. Played against him for, for uh, international level as well. He, the one thing he said about him was that his heading ability was just absolutely incredible. He's not, he's not massively tall, is he? No, he's just got this unbelievable heading strength and, and quality. Um, I think he scored 10 of his last 42 goals with his head. Uh, one against Liverpool, I remember that one in the Champions yes, League. Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah, that was a brilliant header. I mean, you know... What better way for what better player for Villa to get when still they haven't scored a goal from a header this season? So. One day, one day. It's a long <laughs> Sam season. Might, Sam goal might be the guy, um, but no. Look, the, the, the things that would potentially worry me about him is that I'm led to believe that Villa paid ten point five million pound for him and that it was a release clause. So just thinking, if there's a player who's scoring lots of goals and he's only got a ten point five million pound release clause, why hasn't nobody else snapped him up already? Hmm. You know what worries me more about that? If he had got a 10.5 million release clause, why didn't we go for him at the start of the window? It kind of like says to me, was was he first choice? Was he Dean Smith's first pick up front? Yeah, there's also that as well. I mean, look, we've spoken in previous podcasts about players that Villa have tried to sign and have failed. Um, we've got it. We've got to hope that um, you know that that Sam Agol comes in and, and does the business. Dean Smith was asked in the, in the last press conference whether he's ever watched him live. He said he hasn't. Concerns me a little bit that, but at the same time, you know, he didn't watch some of those Brentford players live, and he left that to to the um, to the sporting director. So, Jesus Garcia has watched him live plenty of times um, and knows all about him. So, it's going to be one that you have to trust yeah. the sporting director to get the job done. If it works, then you praise Suso, don't you? If it doesn't, then you slate Suso. So. Yeah. So I like that he's played Champions League football. He's got Champions League pedigree. I like his goal scoring record. I also like the fact he's what I would say at his peak. So he's twenty seven years of age. Some of the other players we've bought in in the, in the summer are a little bit younger. Perhaps will take a little bit longer to settle. But summer goal, as we now keep calling him, that's all I can think of now. Is that summer goal. <laughs> he looks happy. He look he looks ready from the clips I've seen. 
as well. And with Wesley, I think we knew his goal-scoring record wasn't brilliant when he came over from Belgium. I think that was something that, that was discussed at length. But you just hope with this this boy's record that he's going to come in and hit the ground running straight away. But but what's going on with his permit? Can, can he hit the ground running straight away? When, when are we likely to see him play, do you think? When's his permit going to go through? Yeah, that's a question that I can't answer at the moment. Yeah, you, know, we're still you don't work at the home office. I don't know <laughs> why, I, why, why I put so much on we, you. We, I mean, if you remember in the summer, you know, Wesley's... Um, Wesley's work permit took quite a while to go through. We've just got to hope that he's ready for the Leicester game. You know, he's available for it, so um, he can play, providing it's all done. Let's hope he's available. Um, and, yeah, just going back to his goal-scoring form, he's a completely different player to Wesley, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as, as we know. Um, but he, he scored double the amount Wesley got last season. Um, what we'll find is that he'll make clever runs sort of off the defenders, and I think Jack Grealish will, will like that. Because he'll be able to he'll be able to play in those nice weighted passes that he does. Um, he'll just give him, he'll just give rid of some more options because the last four games they've played they've played without a recognised centre forward. Now, Samagol is going to take some he's going to take some time to get used to the Premier League. We have to give him that time because it's not it's not fair. It's a completely different league, um, and you know you can't just expect any player to come from the Belgian league and settle in straight away. But what he, you know, if he can get a goal early, that'll be brilliant. That'll give him some some real confidence. But I think you'll see some clever movement from him. You'll see that he'll be able to peel off defenders. That ball over the top will be appealing now, whereas it probably wasn't really before for Wesley, wasn't it? That wasn't really his um, his type of play. Um, yeah, and 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 then the heading ability that we've previously mentioned. So every the, everybody I've spoken to have said that said that he he should settle in well. He's a leader, he's captain of his club, he was captain of gang, captain of his country. That's another thing that Dean Smith has desperately been wanting. You know, good characters, good leaders. Pepe Reina is one of those. Um, and yeah, let's, let's just hope he settles in. Yeah, and we're picking up a lot of fans from abroad as well. So we've got now got the Tan- Tanzania fans to join the, the Egyptian army that have followed Trezeguet. We've got the Zimbabwe stuff with Marvellous as well. And you've got the Ghana Lions that have come from nowhere as well. So suddenly Villa are this massive, I mean, we're a global team anyway, but we've got fans from all over the place. We've signed another player just before we started recording. So Louis Barry's arrived from Barcelona, former West Brom prodigy. What do you think? Yeah, from Sutton Coldfield, we're going to have a big Sutton Coldfield yeah. dance ride soon. Aren't Shout we? out to Sutton Coldfield, that's where <laughs> I'm from as well. Uh, yeah, very good prospect, you know, he's going to take some time to develop, of course, he won't be ready for straight away for the first team. Um, I've actually watched him a few times for the England youth teams and look very, very energetic, always trying to do a little bit, maybe trying to do a little bit more than he should, that's what I've seen in, in recent times. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because you know it just shows that he's energetic and enthusiastic and wants to impress. Um, was so highly rated at West Brom that they obviously didn't want to lose him. The fact that Barcelona came in for him shows you know how good he is. Um, just led to believe that he didn't quite settle over there, just a little bit homesick. Um, it's very young to go there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's probably a difficult move, isn't it? And you know, having having lived here all his life, uh, but he's a Villa fan, so he'll be fired up to to do well at Villa and. Let's just hope he can get into that under-23 team, score some goals alongside Vasilev and uh, and then progress. If you've seen him play, what, what kind of striker is he? Because I don't know loads about him. I'm putting you on the spot here, but if you could compare him to an, another striker maybe, who, who would you compare him to? What I've found when I watched him against England is he drops a little bit deeper and likes to collect the ball and then likes to run at defences. He, he tends to go looking for the ball and then d- does a lot himself. In some ways, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to... St- Think he looked I mean, reminded me a little spot. bit like Varda in, okay. in some ways. He's quick, but, yeah, yeah, he's very quick, yeah. Um, 
But it, I also found him to be a bit more physical than some of the other lads. So he seemed to be a bit more advanced in his development in terms of his, his physique. He was just a bit broader, uh, a bit stronger. Okay. Um, so, again, someone so young, you know, they're, they're going to have that growth spurt, aren't they? So you don't really know how they're going to develop in terms of their physique at the moment. But he likes to get his shots away. Um, didn't score in the games that I watched, but has been prolific at, 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 for uh, for Albion at the at the youth level. So he's somebody that Mark Harrison obviously knows well, and the, the key now is for Villa's coaches just to develop him further and get him ready for the first team in the future. Staying with strikers, come on, tell tell me something because we're after one more. There must be something on the cards. You must know something. I don't. To be oh, come honest, on, Greg. To be honest, it's gone a little bit quiet. The the message before they signed Samata was the message coming out of Villa was that they were very confident they were going to get one and that they were hopeful of getting uh, two. See, I thought it was the two or bust, really. The they, they want to, don't get me wrong, but the, I've never had the message that they were definitely going to get two and that they were confident they were going to get two. The message in the days leading up to Samata was that they were going to definitely get one. They got Samata over the line. And there's a, there's a few that are in the pipeline, but there's been difficulties with, with various players. You know, I've mentioned in the past, uh, Slimani, the, the, it's, it's a difficult one trying to get him out of Monaco. I don't think there's an issue with Leicester, but it's whether Monaco are prepared to let him leave. He's doing very well for them, so why would they want to let a, a good goal scorer go? Jay Rodriguez, a, again, night. another player that Villa wanted, another player that Dean Smith liked, but... Bournemouth aren't going to let him go and Ashley Barnes is injured and when he's coming into the team and scoring wonder goals like he did at Old Trafford last night um, some of the other strike there, there are a couple that are uh, that are on uh, under consideration abroad you know in, in the French and Spanish leagues but Villa will hopefully try and get a loan. They won't be paying for another. They won't be paying for another striker now. I'll be doing a piece on Villa's finances in the next couple of okay. in the next couple of days, and that'll just be explaining probably what to expect in the in the um, in the forthcoming accounts, which will be released probably towards the end of February, early March, um, and just why Villa weren't prepared to spend so much in the January transfer market and why it was difficult for them. So look out for that piece in the Athletic in the in the days ahead. It's going to be a last-minute job, isn't it? It's going to come down to the, the last day of, of deadline day. It usually does, Domino doesn't it? Effect. You know, I mean, I think Tommy Abraham was deadline day, was it? If you The loan deadline, yeah. Yeah, you know, so it's like... It will start hotting up now. The transfer, the transfer window will start hotting up because... There are so there are lots of players out there that want to be playing that aren't playing. So a player who potentially thought he might be getting a better move earlier in the month and hasn't might become available towards the end of the the end of the window. Villa have still got the issue where Tottenham are still looking for a striker as well. So they're always playing second fiddle to them in terms of you know big name strikers. Um, I mean, to be honest, I wasn't expecting a big name striker. I, I would have said they were operating in different markets anyway. I think so, but the the, the they're both looking for a short-term fix, aren't they? So, I Tottenham probably won't be looking to spend a big amount of money on a striker because they know that Harry Kane will be coming back soon and they know that they will want to wait to the summer to get a better value deal. So, they're both both Villa and Tottenham are looking for a short-term fix just to just to get them going again um, because of injuries to their key strikers. Uh, so, it's going to be difficult still, but if I was a betting man, I would say that Villa will still get one in. Another one. I've still got my fingers crossed for Benteke. That's what I'm hoping for. One's gone though. Another striker gone. Kodja. Yeah, uh, a dis- really disappointing end to Kodja's career. I have to admit that last performance against 
against Fulham just it, it just it wasn't good enough and um do you think that's what's finished him i think he, i think he, he must have known he must have known that his time was up as i've said in previous podcasts i spoke to gary thompson the old villa player after that game at fulham and he said codge is a player that has been playing like he wants to leave for six months and you know it was clear to see he just wasn't interested against fulham and the fact that that was his last game was a shame really because if you look at his first season he was influential oh, yeah. and Take away those goals in that first season, Villa might have gone down. I know that sounds ridiculous, but Villa might have. They finished 13th that season. If you take his goals out, they'd have been fighting against relegation. So, you know, he had an impact at the club. He probably isn't a Premier League player, as he showed this season. Um, And Dean Smith, in some ways, will be happy that he's gone because he'll be trying to get a player in now who believes more in his methods and wants to work hard for the team. One more transfer line, Greg. J- Jacob Ramsey, you did a piece on him today in the, in the Athletic. Just tell us a little bit about that potential loan move. Yeah, a very good player. The the hottest prospect in the in the under-23s at the moment. Uh, Jacob Ramsey, central midfielder, attack-minded. Also got a brother called Aaron, who's 16, who plays for, the, uh, plays for England under-16. So they're both very highly rated, but led to believe that Villa might be willing to let Ramsey go out on loan. Doncaster Rovers are interested in him, um, obviously managed by Darren Moore, who I believe might have known Ramsey from when he was at West Brom as a youngster. So in his very, very younger years, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, Ramsey played for both West Brom and Villa uh, and then decided on Villa when he was, I think, ten years old. so, it's weird yeah, that is, but, but I'd have made that did a similar thing, so it must be the done thing. Yeah, I think it is at younger level. I think Jordan Lydon was the same. He played for both Chelsea and Villa up until nine or something, and then had to make a decision. I think that's just the way it is when you when you when you're at that age. Um, but yeah, he's developed nicely. They've really high hopes for Ramsey, uh, but they, he's not going to play again. He's not going to play in the Premier League no, this no, season. No. He's way down the pecking order. Villa are out the cups, so he's not going to feature again. So it's it's a good thing if they do allow him to go out alone. I think it's a good thing because I think Villa have waited too long with some of their players previously to let them go out on loan. Issa Solomon I wrote about earlier yeah, this we've stunted week, his growth. You know, he just he was kept in the under twenty threes for too long and that's just not good for development. I think Cal Callum O'Hare, ideally he would have gone out a season earlier on loan. He should have done, yeah. And, you know, he's 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 enjoying himself at Coventry at the moment, but he should have been doing that a year ago. Yeah, I agree. a season ago and, you know, then he would have equipped himself better. So I think Villa are learning from previous mistakes and are willing to allow some of the youngsters to go out alone but the key is finding the right club yeah it's 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 if they don't you know a bad a bad club is worse than not going out at all so yeah, I liked that line I saw that line on your piece today yeah, I thought that was a really good it's line important isn't it they've got to get the right club so Dean Smith knows Darren Moore if that move goes ahead as we're led to believe um, that would be a good move for him <laughs> finish as always with, with the Villa vault and I'm going to say this first bit and you'll be thinking what's that got to do with the Villa vault but it's, it's James Chester's birthday today 31 today one of my favourite players as I've said many times before absolutely adore the man <laughs> Villa vault here he signed in the summer of 2016 along with eight other players and 2016 was not that long ago Greg I'm coming to you a little bit of a little bit of a quiz for you here to, here to finish None of the others are still there. None of the others are at the club still that joined that summer with him. Can you name the eight? All eight? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, as oh, many as well. you can, Greg. Um, okay, Ross McCormack. Yep. Jonathan Codger. Yep. Mila Yedinak. Yep. Albert Adoma. Yep. You've mentioned Andre Morera. 
No, no, no. You've no. mentioned one of the others already in this podcast. How many have I got? you got four so far. Um, Halfway there. Pierluigi Galina. Yep. Uh, Richie the Lat. Yeah, I didn't think you'd get that one, so that's six. You, <laughs> you missed one that you've mentioned already. <laughs> I can't yeah. think. Um, you've actually interviewed him this season. Oh, Aaron Tishbauer. Yeah. There. One more. It's got to be a defender. Uh, give me a clue. I mean, you've given yourself the club. Defender. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't think. Um, Captain. Captain. I'm going to buzz you out in a minute. No, I can't think. Tommy Elphick. Oh, of well, course. The, yeah, the only yeah, one. Tommy Elphick. The only one. But you did very, very Seven well. Seven out of eight is not bad. Yeah, yeah, that's really, really good. But absolutely mad that that summer was not that long ago. Yeah, none, none <laughs> no. of those players. Feels like the a club lifetime anymore. ago, It does it? feel like a lifetime ago. That was obviously our maiden season in the championship but yeah a little bit of a light-hearted fun at the end of the podcast so thank you as ever for joining me greg it's been, been a good one i think we've covered a lot of ground there yeah enjoyed that dan yeah i think um been a good week been a positive week feels like the feel good factors back a little bit of villa park now we're just looking forward to that semi-final so looking forward to next time we're meeting up yeah there should be a podcast with thomas hitzelsberger out before we actually record our next podcast so make sure you're looking out for that one really really interesting such an interesting man and such a clever man as well so make sure you check out that when it when it comes out and remember also for ad free podcasts make sure you subscribe to the athletic and listen through the app you can get a 40 percent discount now by using the code villa pod Thanks ever so much for listening to 1874 and up the villa.